Thank you for listening, and we hope you participate with us. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Google Play, and visit our website, sloppyyellow.com, where you'll find information on being a Patreon and helping our charity, weareyoumatter.com. You're listening to an all-new episode of Off the Rails with Sloppy Yellow. Views and opinions expressed here reflect hardcore fan perspectives and sometimes might be factual. Be advised, this podcast may contain adult language. All right, coming to us live right now on the phone, I have David Smith of The Athletic. David Smith, last time we talked to you, you were part of what Motorsports Analytics, and you still have the podcast and everything, but the big old shakeup this year with The Athletic, and um, uh, of course, I followed you right over The Athletic, but how's it worked out for you? I assume it's been pretty badass, huh? It's uh, It's been a lot of fun, uh, to be honest. I mean, we've got... Uh, a really good motorsport staff with Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi. And uh, with me, I'm, 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 I'm the analysis guy, right? Uh, Jordan is the hard hitting investigator. Um, Jeff is the guy that goes and gets interviews with drivers. And, and he has this just innate ability to, to, to get drivers and crew guys to talk to him. I, I swear if we sent him to the Pentagon, he'd come away with state secrets. He's that, he's that good, but, um, this is, it, it's been a talented group and it's been a lot of fun. And for me, I've never been on the side of, uh, of breaking stories in mm-hmm. journalism before. Um, and we broke, uh, that Christopher Bell would be getting promoted to the cup series. So Levine family racing, Jordan broke that news. And I was able to come in on the same day and provide some analysis saying that, okay, we now know that Chris Bell is coming to the cup series. Here's what that might look like. Um, And for me, that is just a lot of fun uh, to come in and immediately uh, give our readers uh, that kind of insight. I think that's the next level stuff. And I don't think we've ever uh, seen that, uh, at least for NASCAR. We've seen it done really well in other sports. But for NASCAR, I think we're uh, embarking on some uncharted territory. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And the reason why um, you're a favorite on this show is because you bring something to the table that not many other people do. You focus solely on statistics and that sort of thing. And I had a lot of feedback this this summer when you talked about how to look at past, past differential from the stands and all that sort of thing. And a lot of people, um, you know, reached out to me and told me that they, they, they have a newfound appreciation for it, understood it a lot better. But you put out an article um, here towards – or actually um, first of December – about your, I think it was something identifying or stat darlings, I think it was, 2019 stat darlings. And and for me, probably the most underwhelming stat that I was actually looking forward to in 2019 was the rookie of the year. Not only did I think it was um, um, so lackluster, I think most people forgot about it, but the two people in it didn't do much either. Now, you um, made a case that, uh, Ryan Priest um, certainly edged him out, but I, I mean, was it really that close to be? I mean, could you toss it up, or did uh, did, did Ryan Priest win it? Um, I, for me, Ryan Priest was the best rookie uh, just for what he represented for himself and his team. Uh, he was just on uh, the 1.5 mile tracks, a 33 position improvement over A.J. Allmendinger, and that was where Allmendinger struggled. I mean, we, when we think of Allmendinger, we think he's a fantastic road course racer, and he was an excellent restarter, too. JTG Jordy got their money's worth with A.J. Allmendinger, but in order to progress to the next level with their organization, and keep in mind, this is a team that for the first time ever, and they've been doing this cut series thing for over 10 years, but they built their cars for the first time ever this year. There was no technical alliance, so that was a, a pretty ambitious um, thing to embark on. And one of the things that they needed to have was a driver that they could count on to get positions on the tracks that most populate the schedule. Lion Priest was able to do that in the Xfinity series for Joe Gibbs racing very well. Yeah. And it, he proved himself that he was able to do that in the cup series. And, and now they've got some more things to work on. Um, he that, that first year rookie wall. And I um, spent a, a good amount of time, with Ryan and with Daniel, I sat down with both at Martinsville to just understand the uh, the realities of the hurdles that they faced this year. And the, the short of it is communication. They 
they didn't understand how impactful feedback was to getting the car to where it needed to be. These two guys came up from different grassroots series, Hemrick and Legend Cars and Priest uh, in the Modifieds in the Northeast, where they could just manhandle a car better than the drivers around them and get a good finish. Uh, I vividly remember being with Ryan Priest for another story years ago at New Smyrna Speedway where he had input on the qualifying setup and he realized his input was terrible. <laughs> they didn't qualify well at all. And he had to start from the back and he managed to thir- think a third place finish after starting something like 27th in, a, in the field uh, for a short race. Um, well, I mean, but that, that speaks to his talent, but when you get yeah. to the cup series level, um, what these two guys realize is how perfect your car has to be just to run 15th. And, yeah. and that is something that they had to come to grips with and then had to figure out how to best communicate with their crew chiefs. Um, what I thought was interesting, and I never would have thought about this, but Daniel Hemrick talked about how he has been used to having an off day. Like even in yeah. the Xfinity series, he spent Sundays with Danny Stockman and Richard Childress Racing they would, you know, either go to lunch or spend time on the phone, just kind of debriefing and talking about their ideas, what they thought about the race the day prior and where they want to go going forward. And uh, what Hemrick told me is he was just, he was just snapping his fingers telling me it's this quick. There is, there is no time for a debrief. If you are, if you are far off after a race, it might not be until the next month that you're able to even address it. Uh, wow. That is how quick things are moving in the Cup Series, um, and you think about yeah, that that is it's a seven day a week job for 38 weeks. That is a relentless pace for someone that just is not used to it. Um, and I think we saw kind of something similar with Jimmy Johnson, knowing his, as successful as he's been, but he had a rookie crew chief coming up from the Xfinity Series. Yeah. And I was able to speak with Jimmy Johnson about this, and, and he said, yeah, the, the schedule is, is tough. I mean, the, the, the change to Cliff Daniels benefited him the most in that they were able to get to changes quicker. And Cliff yeah. Daniels, he's a rookie crew chief, but he's only ever known the pace of the Cup Series. So this is something he's used to. Uh, Kevin yeah. Mendering wasn't. So yeah. um, just right there, you see how – daunting of a task this was for Brees and Hemrick all season long just to just to kind of you know get their get their wits about them and figure out okay I I really need to get on the ball and figure out how I make this car faster and that starts with what I'm able to tell to the crew chief Um, so I mean that was a pretty significant learning curve for them well you used the word daunting which um, I, I didn't think I mean both these guys Brees and Hemrick I mean they're not uh, they're not baby-faced young. I mean, Priest is, what, in his late 20s or something like that, um, Emmerich in his mid-20s. But for those guys yeah. to, to to say daunting, um, that's a that's that's kind of an eye-opener. And, and one thing that I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, because I completely forgot about it all year, but JTG doing their own cars this year is kind of a big deal. And, and that, that absolutely – swings my vote for sure now because I, I had completely uh, forgotten about that but i do want to bring up um uh, the incoming rookie i know we got a long long way to go but we got some rookies coming up um in 2020 and communication seems to be where you know the the easiest thing to point to when you talk about rookie of the year i gotta believe that these rookies coming up are in pretty good shape, um, especially what they got coming over there at Stuart Haas Racing. But I know it's early, but could you could you could you rank them? Uh, who do you think is the favorite going in? Um, the, the favorite going in for Rookie of the Year in 2020. Ooh, well, I'll tell you what. Did you notice that all three of the uh, the guys, Cole Cutter, Tyler Reddick, and Chris Bell, are coming up with the crew chiefs that they had in the extended yes. series? I, I, I think yeah. that's very interesting. Um, yeah. I believe. I believe that Chris Bell and Cole Custer could realistically compete for playoff positions. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that the, the 41 team, the infrastructure that was there with Daniel Suarez and Billy Scott, and I thought Billy Scott improved 
his decision making this year as a crew chief. It's a shame that yeah. he was the one that got short shifted um, yeah. in their crew chief shuffle. But the cars are there. That was a top six car when Kurt Busch was in it. So the cars are there, and they're able to do something pretty well. Cole Custer has never had an issue going fast. Yeah. His, his problem, and this is going to sound more like a, a slam, but I promise you it isn't, but his, his issue is when he gets in the traffic, is he able to pass for position? Is he able to restart? He has been so reliant on clean air as, as just from having yeah. one of the fastest cars in the Xfinity series that he's kind of been spoiled uh, by it. Now, look, he, he won, you know, what, eight times – uh, this season, a, a driver that can make a fast car faster, you're you're going to have success. You're going to get paid. Carl Edwards did that. Carl Edwards yeah. was a clean air bandit. He didn't pass particularly well, and yeah. his restart numbers weren't great. Um, yeah. But he was able to, to, to take a car in clean air and do some significant damage with it. Well, the question now is that Cole Custer, is he going to have that clean air? That That's where we're going to have some questions answered to see how, how big a growth has he had because he hasn't experienced restarts with lower horsepower against guys like, uh, you know, Kurt Busch and, and Kyle Larson on a regular basis. Um, these guys don't treat young guys lightly. Um, <laughs> now, um, for, for the other two, um, Chris Bell may have the best situation just in that Levine family racing is yep. going to be an offshoot team of Joe Gibbs Racing. And I, I don't think Bell is going to want for anything next season. I think mm-hmm. there will be a bit of a transition. Um, he was a high-frequency crasher every year that he was in trucks and Xfinity. And yep. that is something that is going to have to change going forward. Even if it affects him as a rookie, if it, if it doesn't change going forward, then we're talking about a guy who comes in with promise but ends up the coming somebody along the lines of Ricky Stenhouse where they're, they're certainly fast. There's no question the speed, but you know, you're keeping the fab shot busy and you're stymieing progress with your race team. That's something you don't want to do. Um, I I, I, I would give um, uh, Reddick probably the nod as the driver most prepared, um, but from a team standpoint, that team is going to have a lot of work to do. Um, Randall Burnett comes up from the Xfinity series with him. Um, but that team, they were on the outside looking into the top 20 in, in central speed this season. They had had success in the past with pit strategy, but we've seen that even with the advent of stage racing, that the worm has turned a little bit and there are varying games. There are going to be a lot of teams next year playing the pit strategy game. Um, and where does he fit in on that? Um, I, I think where we're going to see improvement is if the speed of the car improves, how far can Tyler Reddick take them? Um, mm-hmm. I tell you what, I, I think this is going to be a very entertaining rookie battle. Um, I think all three of these guys are going to have long careers. And, and, and to an extent, I think that's really all you're looking for from a first year anyway. It's just maybe that one thing that gives these guys staying power. Um, but I would just from a team standpoint, I would say Bell is probably best positioned, but Reddick just on what he was able to do this year in the Xfinity series as a driver, he topped the series in production and equal equipment rating. He was the top passer. Um, he may be the driver most prepared to take on the cup series. I can tell you this right now, David, this is the first time I've been excited about a rookie of the year battle in a long, long time, probably back sure. since the early 2000s or whatever, because I firmly believe that Bell and uh, Custer can certainly win uh, in the rides that they are given, and I don't count out the fact that um, that guy over there at RCR might not get them into – there's something about him, man. I just – Reddick seems to have just um, – he's he's got an odd swagger to me. I don't think he lacks for anything. All he needs is – is an opportunity, and and he's absolutely done everything with his opportunities that he's been given. And I wouldn't surprise me he goes over there and and gets into victory lane. Now we talked about JTG, and we talked about um, you know passing, and, and 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 the reason why JTG is getting a new driver is because Jack Roush uh, didn't like it when <laughs> they were working on wrecked race cars, much like um, you know 
Bell has had to do, you know, in his, as he's coming up. But how do you see that fitting over there with 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 uh, Ricky Stenhouse going over to JTG? Do you see him? I, I mean, he seems like he's been a little bit subdued. Maybe he's, you know, I don't want to say learned a lesson or something like that, but maybe he's kind of learned a lesson. But I. I is he, do you think he's going to have a a better year next year? Is this the, the was was 2019 the beginning of his end? How do you think he's going to shape up moving forward? Yeah, and it, it's it's weird. It's kind of like an old home reunion because he's bringing Brian Patty with him yeah. from from Ralph yeah. Fenway, and then Mike Kelly, who was his crew mm-hmm. chief for his two Xfinity Series champion uh, championships, is going to be over there as well. Yeah. Um, I I had a chance to uh, talk to Ricky. Um, uh, this this past fall, and I will say that he was gracious. I've written about his crashing a lot, uh, so he was <laughs> gracious and uh, just you know not you know punching me in the nose because of that. But he um I, he he said that yeah he he realizes that he he pushed the 17 par. Uh, excuse me, I have to look at it. He said that he pushed the 17 car a little further than necessary, and yeah. that's that is something that he's going to have to address at JTG. And to some extent, this was uh, a harsh reality um, coming his way. He wasn't expecting this. He had another year left yeah. on his contract, and yeah. if you look back at the races prior to that announcement that Roush is bringing Chris Blisher over. There wasn't, there wasn't urgency. There, you know, Ricky had no wind that yeah. this was coming, and I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I've seen the quotes from other drivers suggesting that this was kind of a form of dirty pool, but this is a mm-hmm. performance-based business, and the, the long and short of it is Ricky Stenhouse was not performing. And oh, by the way, he had a stablemate in Ryan Newman who proved. Yeah. A Roush Fenway car, despite all the lack of speed and, and everything that goes with it, can get into the playoffs the traditional way, uh, yeah. and he was unable to. So he is he is going to have to improve. He's going to have to hone down his crashing um, just in order to survive and to make this uh, second lease on life work. Yeah. Well, it's a, certainly an interesting dynamic going on over there, and, and I, the whole 41 – you know, thing and all. I, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad, and I'm sure everybody else is too. But um, I'm certainly ready to get 2020 started. You've got through your um, uh, statistical analysis, you've got Joey Logano as your best restarter, and I would not have picked that to be, to be bluntly honest with you. But I'm going to tell you something. Who I would have, I would have not picked either Chris Busher or Eric Jones to be in the top five as well. That was very surprising to me, David. Yeah. So you, you mentioned those three names and they were, they all ranked in the top five on restarts when starting from the non-preferred groove. And gotcha. uh, look, I'll, I'll tell you the, the difference um, between the preferred and the non-preferred. It's pretty mm-hmm. simple. One, you play offense, the other, you play defense. And gotcha. The non-preferred groove, like it, it, for these guys, it's really interesting to watch. If you get a chance and you're watching cup races, just watch, you know, focus in on the frame, look at the cars, and it's traditionally the, the inside um, now on yep. most of the track that we see. But focus in on how drivers are either blocking uh, other cars coming from behind or just getting up to the preferred groove as quickly as possible. Logano was fantastic at that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what to expect with a, uh, a lower horsepower, which means uh, the acceleration time is slower, and then there's cars on four tires behind you that can get to, get to those or two tires quicker. <laughs> um, the, re- the restart element changed this year. Yep. Joey Logano was able to figure that out. He was actually the second best restarter from the non-preferred groove. Brad Keselowski was first, but what I liked about Logano is that he was able to mitigate what is typically just a big positional loss for every driver. That's what the non-preferred groove restart does. It makes every driver just look terrible. But Logano lost only 29 positions 
on 90 attempts when mm-hmm. he restarted from inside the first seven rows. So well, for a frame of reference, yeah. uh, the, the combined average of the other four guys in the top five was one position uh, loss per attempt. Logano's only losing one spot every three attempts. Wow. So just able, being able to just put a cap on the magnitude of your positional loss it's such a tremendous value to his team. Like they, they don't, yeah, nobody likes being in the non-preferred groove, but here you have a driver that has sort of figured it out. He's able to just get to where he wants to be quicker than everybody else. And that's big. You're, you know, you're going to lose spots, but if you have a guy that's really willing to wrestle to ensure that that loss is mitigated, that is huge. That's really all you can ask from a driver in that situation because uh, some of these tracks, I mean, the, the disparity between the preferred and the non-preferred is so vast that it's just it just borders on unfair. But uh, here's here's Joey Logano trying to make it as about as fair as it can be. Yeah, um, you talked about the best passer, Martin Truex Jr. I think uh, to me that was uh, I mean, that, that stood out as uh, that, I mean that doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me a little bit is the most improved driver, but but only because I would, at the beginning of the year, I would not have picked him to be the most improved, Matthew Benedetto. Um, obviously, he was uh, kind of a Cinderella gone wrong at, at, at Bristol this year, but, I mean, he was consistently fighting for those top tens and, and that sort of thing, and I, and I, I, I be honest with you, I don't know that it could have happened to a better guy. He's a, he's a a fan favorite because of his attitude and never give up type thing. But he really did improve over there with um, Levine family racing. And we know Levine family racing is going to get, I I, I would, would you rank um, Bell a better driver than Matt DiBenedetto? Or, I mean, could you compare them even though he's not been in there yet? Because I think obviously Chris Bell has more, more upside, but what do you think that, Matt DeBenedetto, how did he improve so much to be to be that most improved? Well, okay, so let's consider where he was in 2018. He was at Go Fast Racing, uh, the 32 car. Now, Archie St. Hilary, um, the owner of, the, of Go Fast Racing, poured more money into that team than he's ever poured into any team of his entire career and ownership, and he just couldn't sustain it. That's why DeBenedetto and Go Fast parted ways, but you have to understand when when I say that we had questions about whether Matt DiBenedetto could restart at the front of the field, that was literal because he had literally one restart from the preferred groove in the first seven rows in all of 2018. And then come to find out this year, he's, you know, a top 10 restarter. Well, okay, well, we didn't know that, did we? So yeah. he, he, yeah. he taught us something. Literally, we have never seen him do that before. That's why there were questions. And around the time that he caught wind that he was being replaced, mm-hmm. um, and, and, I mean, this is it's tough to get inside somebody's head like this, yeah. but yeah. You, you have to imagine that, you know, here's this guy who's, who's fought tooth and nail for really everything that he's been given in this board. Mm-hmm. He, he probably looked – you know, looked at his situation and said, this might be the best yeah. ride I'm ever going to have. Yeah. So the, just the, the pace in which he was ripping off these good finishes, the, the road course races were good. And then he was starting to look good on two mile tracks and then the near one at Bristol. And then he really, uh, and I know LFR probably got a little bit better equipment as the year came to a conclusion or received updates that some of the other smaller teams didn't. Um, yeah. But he he turned those into results, mm-hmm. and uh, and I wrote for the Athletic. Had we just counted everything that he did in the final 21 races, he would have ranked sixth in production and equal equipment rating, um, yeah. which is tremendous. And yeah. going back to the the Bell thought, um, just for this year and maybe 2020, I, I think I would prefer Matt DiBenedetto just because experience counts for a lot yeah. um you know chris bell is on a on a superstar trajectory so in, in the years going forward he, he's probably ultimately going to be that pick but matt de benedetto 
turned everything that we thought about him on its head. Um, we didn't know whether he could be a, a consummate top 15 guy, but now I think we live in a world where realistically could Matt DiBenedetto be one of the 12 best drivers for a full year in NASCAR? I think, I think he could. I, I think wow. that, that his production numbers and his, perifer- and his peripheral numbers speak to that. Um, and we didn't know that at this time last year. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, that's why that that's that's improvement right there. He's he has improved his lot in life just based on his results. Yeah. Um, you not only make a case. Uh, well, you, you made a fantastic case for your most viable driver, Kyle Busch. And uh, I mean, uh, first in pure, first in average finish, first in surplus passing on trucks, one to one point four nine miles. I mean, I just. There is no doubt that he, in my opinion, that he earned and deserved the championship in 2019. I do not believe he earned or deserved the first one that he got, Um, but he definitely won this one. I'm going to ask you a question, right? You made the point, you know, he's 35. He's still four years away from what is a NASCAR driver's statistical prime. I'm going to say right now, if he doesn't win two more championships, I think at when he's done, the I, I'll be honest with you, I think he's I think that's going to be bad for him. I mean, as as many wins as he has, as good as he is, if he doesn't win four, if he doesn't tie Jeff Gordon, in my opinion, in in championships, then that's then that's he, he's underperformed, in my opinion, but. But I say that with forked tongue, David, with the new, you know, playoff that we have now, it is wildly difficult to do this. So help me understand why if he only wins two, he should be fine. Or if he only wins two, David, is that underperforming in your in your opinion as well? I, I, I don't know. I, 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 come, I come to the, uh, the conclusion that ultimately, you know, for, for the end of the year to, to be compelling – and interesting for everybody, for for all fans, watchers mm-hmm. of NASCAR, we probably have to have a format like this. Yep. I don't like that, you know, none of the big three in 2018, after one of the most mind-blowing, you know, first 26, first 30 races we've ever seen, none, neither Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, or Martin Truex won the championship. That, <laughs> that's, that's a travesty. Um, I, you know, I think we, we've gotten to a point where the championship isn't guaranteed to be rewarded on the level, uh, even in his first nine playoff races this year, the 18 team, I'll say it, they were mediocre. Uh, they were, uh, not one of the five fastest cars in the playoffs. They, I think ranked ninth or 10th in fourth quarter speed. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was communication gap between Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens. I don't know why their cars were getting slower as races progressed, but the first nine races left a lot to be desired. They were incredibly fortunate to even make it to Homestead. And, you know, to their credit, they ran a fantastic race. They were the only one of the four who didn't make uh, yeah. Some kind of bizarre mistake, yeah. and the, look, the, the the third quarter of that race, the 18 car was the fastest car um, on the track, faster than any other car on any other quarter of the race. That's where they won. Yeah. Was, was that yeah. third quarter? It was that that restart right after the the beginning of the final mm-hmm. stage. He yep. took off. Truex and Harvick bungled each other on the restart. Hamlin was having his own problems. That was it. That was the separator. So. Yeah. It, it speaks to that, yeah, they were this good all season long, but they stumbled in to the championship race, and they still won it. So yeah. maybe, maybe they got one this year, whereas they should have gotten one last year. I yeah. don't know. And moving forward in 2020, 2021, as he you know, reaches age 39, which is a driver's statistical peak, mm-hmm. he's going to experience – highs when he probably doesn't deserve them and lows when it probably should have gone the other way. And yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that we are in a position to grade careers on just based on championships anymore. 
maybe we need to look at how they're won or um, what they're doing for, you know, the, the course of a, a season. If he wins, um, let's, I'll ask you this. If he, if he, if he doesn't win two more championships, but he wins eight to 10 races a year, every year for the next five years, I mean, does that satisfy it? I mean, because that's impressive. I mean, that, that's a, that's a sterling career and that's not something that every driver can do, but because the championship is by and large a toss up to some degree, um, that's the one thing that isn't in his control, but you know, go out and win a third of the races. That's pretty spectacular. All right. I'll put it to you this way. If he goes out and win, I mean, you're talking about another, 35 wins, yeah, he's he's one of the greatest ever. But I think there's always going to be an asterisk to hardcore NASCAR fans. I mean, to to the to the to the public when they talk about wins, he's going to be up there at that point. He's already got you know 205 or whatever. You add another 40 to that, that's a pretty damn impressive number. But I, and I'm, I'm going to speak again with with Fort Tongue, uh, he, uh, Billy Bradley, um, my cohort on this on this show uh, is, is pissed that Kyle Busch even made it to the final round because of his horrendous performance in the first first three. I look at it like this. They don't reseed, you know, any other sport. They don't reseed, uh, you know, when they start the playoffs. You start the playoff as a one seed. If wherever you finish, you finish as a one seed. So I, he, I'm okay with it. However, I, I – he should won one before. He's got two now. I think I and and I think he earned this based on the rules. But I also think that there's, as far as I'm concerned, in my lifetime, Kyle Busch is only the third driver that has really had a. a Jeff Gordon, they, they had to change all kind of rules for Jeff Gordon. They had to change all kind of rules for, you know, because Jimmy Johnson and, and Kyle Busch. The, Kyle Busch has single-handedly made NASCAR better in the last five years because he was so damn dominant that everybody started hating him driving in, in Xfinity and truck races. And so now we've got a, a flux of young talent who's got some wins under their belt because he hasn't been taking them. I, it, I think he's going to go down as, as one of the greatest ever just because of uh, you know this, but if he doesn't win four championships, I think he has underperformed in 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 my personal uh, opinion. I need to talk to you about Jimmy Johnson, though. Jimmy Johnson has gone two full years without a victory. He hasn't smelled one. You mentioned um, Cliff Daniels coming over, Kevin Mandering um, gone. It seemed to me from the outside, I mean, from Texas looking in to uh, Charlotte, it seemed to me like Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Meandering just did not hit it off. And I think Cliff Daniels being over there so, so long had a relationship with Jimmy. I think he was like, Hey man, this isn't working. I'd rather do something like this. Maybe get some of the Chad Canals, um, you know, momentum coming off there, but he's leaving 2020 uh, probably because he knows this new car or whatever. But do you see, him not winning a race, not only three years in a row, but his last year at Hendrick Motorsports is could that possibly happen, David? Uh, yeah, that, that that absolutely could possibly happen. Um, now, I'll say this: that we uh, we talked about how the Benedetto and the '95 team improved, you know, maybe over the last 15 races of this season, mm-hmm. right in lockstep with them was the 48 team after Cliff Daniels came on board their speeds uh, skyrocketed johnson's yeah. passing numbers became positive again i mean he J- jimmy johnson didn't win a race in 2018 but he was the third most efficient passer uh yeah. so he's still pretty crafty when it comes to, to getting around guys i mean that that's his trademark anyway um it's he's he's still able to do things i think he lost the feel of the car uh, I, I, Cliff Daniels, uh, and I spoke at Jimmy Johnson's, uh, retirement announcement and mm-hmm. Daniels alluded to just taking things from maybe five or six years ago that Johnson liked about the car and applying them here, even though the horsepower is different, the downforce is different. If the feel of the car is similar, then Jimmy is able to, to, to better identify what he needs to do to go fast and, and make passes. 
And we saw a little bit of that to end the year. Um, I like them to qualify for the playoffs next year, certainly, uh, just based on what we saw. The win is tough. Um, that is a that is a tough proposition because it is just not easy uh, nowadays to to win a race. Yeah. Um, you either have to have lights out speed, or you're just going to have to outthink 39 other teams. And there's no given that that you're going to be able to do that. But as far as this just being a a retirement tour where he has a press conference every weekend and he's given a, you know, a token, a rocking chair or something. I think this is going to be a little bit better than that. I, I do think that he has a little bit more firepower than we're giving him credit. And personally, I, I kind of would like to see that. I would like to see him go out and make things at least a little bit interesting again, because that would also improve this progression that we've seen Hendrick Motorsports on for the last, you know, two or three years. Ever since Jeff Gordon uh, retired, we've seen Hendrick just kind of sort of have to rebuild itself from pretty much the ground up. And and now we're starting to, to see the, the benefits of that. Chase Elliott winning three races a year, William Byron coming on uh, late at the end of last year. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to suggest that Jimmy Johnson can compete for wins in 2020. I'm certainly more bullish on it than I think a a lot of vocal people on social media are. Um, But I'm also looking at, you know, some of the the corresponding numbers, the underlying numbers that, that make this make sense. Um, The only real question is if Johnson can't adapt to having lower horsepower. I mean, he had, you know, uh, a terrible Xfinity series career. Um, now he wasn't in the best possible equipment, but he didn't perform up to at least his standards. And he always points to the lower horsepower being the culprit of that. If that is indeed something that is standing in the way of performance, then yeah, it's possible that he has a year that isn't to his liking, but he said it at the retirement announcement that he, this is not a phone-it-in year or a mail-it-in year is what he what he used. He's he's here to win races and compete for a playoff spot, and his crew chief is uh, very young, very hungry, very intelligent, and looking to stay in NASCAR past Jimmy Johnson's time. So there's a lot to be gained uh, for that 48 team. I think they'll be a lot of fun to watch just because I don't know that we are expecting much from them. So you know, we're for all, every, everything's uh, uphill from here. Yeah. Well, is those are all good things for me. I was one of those people who did not like Jimmy Johnson. Um, you have to understand, a huge Dale Jr. fan. Car tomorrow comes out. Dale Jr. sucks in it. Jimmy Johnson does nothing but win <laughs> seventy <laughs> races in it or something. So, yeah. um, but I, but I, I have just like I mean, I wasn't a Dale Earnhardt fan. Uh, by any stretch of imagination, but towards the end of his career, as I I realized I was watching something special, enjoyed every win that he got um, um, the last few years that he was racing. I'm the same way with Jimmy Johnson. In my opinion, he's the greatest NASCAR driver I've ever watched um, drive around the track. And I, I've started watching my first race when I was 19, it's 1976. I saw uh, Richard Petty go around, and, and I think what he did with the Carl DeMauro was um, – was was fantastic. Of course, it's also my my era as well. But I'm I'm glad. That I would love for him. I'm so upset that uh, Jeff Gordon won his last year. Uh, Tony Stewart won in his last year. Matt Kenseth won in his last year. Dale Jr. did not, and that really sucks. So I hope uh, you know. I I really do hope that um, the Jimmy Johnson fans can can do that. I love to see him back in victory lane. It's going to be a a changing of the of the guard for sure. We have this, this whole 2020 going to 2021 thing going on. Listen, David, this is with with the sponsorship that's going on. We're we're down to the last, I don't know, four years or something until we get a new TV contract. I have believed that this 2020 season, we may look back on it, 10 years from now, kind of like we do, you know, the 2006 when the car tomorrow, you know, came out or whatever, we may look back in this thing and go, that was a 
pivotal year. I don't know which way we're going to go, though. Um, but I think 2020 is in 2021 are probably two of the most important um, two of the most important race seasons we've had since probably the early 2000s. When you know you had 2001, obviously you know with what happened there, but we had an influx of a brand new bunch of drivers: Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, Kurt Busch, and we had all these guys coming in. I, do, is there any historical um, data or anything you can tell that with what's coming on in NASCAR that these two years may be significant, or am I just overblowing this thing and it's just regular old NASCAR season as as usual? You know, I haven't even thought about that. I mean, that, it, it, you're you're making good points. Um, I don't know that there is any historic data um, to 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 make your uh, assumption true, um, but it sounds pretty interesting just because it. it feels like NASCAR ended the season on a high note. Uh, things were good this year. And, you know, Jim France in charge, um, the, the, the garage seems to um, fall in behind him. Um, even, even from a fan perspective, I don't, I, I can't imagine just with as much parody as we saw this year. Yeah. The, yeah. The rule package is, is controversial and it uh, lower horsepower can diminish some talent, but we saw how many different winners this year. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the parody was there and then the, the twists and turns of the playoffs made things interesting. I think for a while I was, I, I kind of went into Homestead uh, assuming we were going to see a, a coronation of just a, a crazy uh, Martin Truex, playoff run and that's not what happened um yeah. i mean i don't i don't know if it was a, a the pressure getting to uh some of our best in the championship race or mm. or what have you but i'll be damned if that wasn't an entertaining final race of the season for sure um so i i don't know i think there has been um a groundswell of support for some of the changes that NASCAR has made, everything seems to be going in a positive direction. And I think if the spirits are good, then that's good. Um, but 2020 and 2021 with the influx of, of, of talent, you, you're also going to have the rise of guys like uh, Chase Elliott and Eric Jones and William Byron, uh, yeah. who are exceptional. We're going to have, I think uh, something you, you didn't, you didn't mention I think we're going to have one of the biggest free agency years mm. this year with guys like Kyle Larson and potentially Brad Keselowski. We might see Kevin yeah. Harvick uh, step down and a right of Stuart Haas become available. Um, mm. There are going to be some major free agency implications going into the 2021 season. So there's, there's certainly a lot going on. And if you're a fan of some of those things or just one specific thing, if you're, if you're really big into where drivers might go, then you're going to eat this coming year up uh, because there's just, there's going to be a lot of storylines. So um, for certain, this is, this is going to be one of the more intriguing time periods in NASCAR history. I think you're right about that. Well, I tell you what, I didn't even think about the all the free agent stuff going on. I, this is going to be an extremely, extremely crazy all over the board year. I mean, do you think? And I won't put you on the spot right here because I haven't heard if you said this, but do you think there's any way in hell Kyle Larson drive leaves where he can drive whatever the hell he wants to, whenever the hell he wants to, and goes to Hendrick Motorsports? Uh, I think I think that he would be. It will be the the best uh, suitor, whoever whoever offers him the money, and yeah. with him, what what is important is the freedom. He does want to drive anything yeah. and everything. Uh, so, I think that's going to come down to that. He said that he signed with Chip Ganassi Racing, you know, nearly ten years mm-hmm. ago because they were the ones that offered him the most yeah. racing. Uh, yeah. the most guaranteed racing. It, it could be as simple as that. I mm-hmm. think all options are on the table. I think wow. every team in the garage um, with an opening would consider someone with his talent. And you know what? Right behind him, Eric Jones uh, yeah. is, has, a, has another deal that expires at the end of this mm-hmm. year. And yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, fans are sleeping on Eric Jones, we haven't seen a kid this talented come along in a long time. A lot of a lot of our fans nowadays don't understand with <laughs> Kyle Larson and Eric Jones and Chase Elliott and William Byron one after the other. 
That's yeah. historic. We've never yeah. seen something like that because well, these, don't forget these guys are flamethrowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 by the way, Ryan Blaney, a free agent at the end of this year, uh, end of twenty twenty yeah. as well. So, yeah. um, we haven't we haven't um, been witness to this kind of talent pocket in a very long time. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure that fans understanding that that's what they're seeing. But these yeah. these guys are going to build a very competitive future for NASCAR and. The, the future is probably going to be built um, b- between this year and next year, deciding on where they want to go. Chase Elliott's good. He's probably going to stand pat at Hendrick, but with Larson and Blaney and Eric Jones deciding yeah. what's next, I mean, this is, um, this, is, this is going to be like the NBA, you know, like all the, the crazy summer free agencies they have. Uh, I think NASCAR is about to experience one as well. Let me tell you one thing, and, and, and I, David uh, Smith of The Athletic, um, Folks, if you if you haven't signed up to be a member of the athletic, you're you're an absolute idiot. It's mere singular dollars a month. You get access to everything David does, uh, plus uh, Jordan Bianchi, and then also um, Jeff Gluck. And I, it's it's one of my favorite um, my favorite read, my favorite uh, podcast to listen to, and see what kind of crazy shit you put out there that makes me go, hmm, and think about something on a different level. But I, it it seems like a lot of people in the media, yourself included, keeps throwing it out there and not mentioning the fact that, that or are expounding on the fact that Brad Keselowski is a free agent, almost like everybody believes that he could possibly leave Penske. I don't see it ever happening. I don't think Penske would ever let that happen, but but it's still being mentioned. Now, you mentioned it. Did you mention it just as a fact, or do you think that there is – is there more than a 5% chance, in your opinion, that he could leave Penske? Uh, to my knowledge, his, his deal is up at the end of 2020. Um, yeah. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to just put this – in your brain and let it rest there and you can think about it. But oh, the sure. last, the last time that he was a free agent, mm-hmm. uh, there were no real rides open. That was yeah. the year where Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired and yeah. Hendrick decided to go young and affordable yeah. and they hired yeah. Alex Bowman. Yeah. So he, he didn't really get to experience multiple mm-hmm. suitors. He, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very careful to say settled for a ride at Penske, but mm-hmm. he kind of just had to negotiate with Penske with yeah. with zero leverage. Yeah. And this year, if there are multiple rides open, he's had yeah. he has more leverage than he's ever had in his life. I think it would yeah. behoove him to try and talk with different teams just to see what is on the table for a guy who also, like Kyle Busch, hasn't entered his statistical prime, but is very close. Yeah. Um, so that would be beneficial to him he could get the the last really big deal of his career from a salary standpoint and if that means changing rides i i think he certainly would have to consider it uh but if anything i think he's going to enjoy a kind of leverage that he (laughs) has never experienced because the last time he was in this position uh there were there were no other rides available yeah, well, I, I, I the more you talk about it, because I, I hadn't I hadn't considered that, um, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he will court all suitors, and if nothing else, it because he has the opportunity and he never has. Um, I, you know, it'd be interesting. To, it's, this is all to say I'm I'm extremely excited for 2020 going into the 2021 season because it's basically going to be a brand new. It's basically going to be a brand new NASCAR. David, I appreciate you being on here so so much. I promise we were only going to do 20 minutes or so. I've got you down here at uh, 45 minutes plus. I appreciate that very much. Um, again, go to the athletic. Um, sign up. You, you got to get be a subscriber. It's. I mean, I think I got it for two something a month. There was a special going on. I, I mean, it's, it's like five bucks a month max I've ever seen it. But do it. You abs- because this is just NASCAR. You get everything on that, which is which is fantastic. But if I have, if there's anything that that you want to let our our listeners know, is there anything else that we 
we've missed or some weird statistic that you want to throw out there here as your parting shot, David? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know about that. I, I can I can um, point them in the direction where we usually always give them um, my my podcast uh, positive regression, which I do with Alan Kavana of, mm-hmm. uh, of Fox Sports. We're on a hiatus until early February, but when we come back in February, uh, we're going to have season previews. We're going to have a speed weeks preview, and um, we have a crew chief draft. We do a lot of weird yes. stuff that will have, that will help you become a smarter racing fan in the process. Um, and we've had um, great support there as well. I think we've got some of the smartest listeners. So I, I know that your listeners are smart and certainly inquisitive about NASCAR. I think they would enjoy this podcast as well. Um, but I, I appreciate being uh, being on your show. It is, uh, it's always a blast, and uh, I, I look forward to our next visit. No, listen, I appreciate you coming on. The one thing I will let you know is when I heard your preseason this year, um, where you did the the crew chief draft, I learned so much more about. I mean, if you're a fantasy player and you don't listen to your crew chief draft, you are making a serious mistake. Because because it's the weird. I mean, everybody knows you know what Adam Stevens and all this other kind of stuff. But when you get that guy out there is you know twenty third that may somehow sneak a bunch of positions at the end of the race. That's that's all kind of great information to know. I appreciate you very much being on here. Enjoy your holiday season, David. We will look forward to talking to you um, in 2020, bud. Thank you so much. Take care, bud. Thanks for listening to Off the Rails. Take a listen to Dado's new favorite song, Bougie by Mixpack. Can you just, like, chill for a second and stop being bougie all the dang time? Let's have some fun, all right? Let's go. Bottoms up. Drinks on me. Later on, after party my crib. Got this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta chill, need to relax. Not everywhere needs a VIP pass. Keep it up, you'll have no real friends left. Designer girls aren't gonna earn you respect. Just stop, you're being too loud. Your trash talk won't make your mama proud. Snap, snap, show your picture perfect, they laugh. Back up, you ain't even in the limelight. Bottoms up, slow down, slow down. Drinks on me, oh, oh, oh. Later on, after party my crib, but this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Why you gotta be so bougie, so bougie, bougie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Girl, you gotta chill, why you so damn thirsty? Oh, he got a rolling, like you so damn basic. Man, I ain't saying you a gold digger, but what you doing at SLS when you stay at Azusa? It's okay, not my bitch, so I'm gonna walk away. Got better shit to do than to entertain you. Said she want the Fendi swimsuit with the Fendi shoes. Then she looked at me, I said, you picked the wrong dude. I'm out. Bottoms up, drinks on me. Later on, after party my crib, but this girl on my right shit. Why you gotta be 